All right, social media family, thank you for joining us for another installment in the Guarding Your Heart During the End Times series. We're on lesson six tonight, lesson six, and the subtitle is Guarding Your Heart with Purpose. Guarding Your Heart with Purpose. Now, yeah, so let's, let's go to... Proverbs 4 again. Proverbs 4. And we're going to focus on verses 23 to 27. Proverbs 4. 23 to 27. Now, when we read these scriptures, I want you to think about the word purpose. Okay. Uh, in the passage translation, 23 reads like this. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words, no matter what. 25. Set your gaze on the path before you. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth. And the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked, even for a moment. Or take the detour that leads to darkness. Now, looking at those last three verses, we can see Solomon giving specific instruction on how important it is to have a direction. To have direction and to look towards that direction. And the word purpose is used specifically. In verse 25, here in the Passion Translation and in the Amplified Classic, in the Amplified Classic, it says, let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. Now, if you are driving down the road and you're trying to get to a destination, what's the easiest way to get sidetracked? Take your eyes off the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the love of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Just getting caught up in everything that's mm -hmm. around you, right? Well, Cody, they still have the Christmas lights yes. on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now this now this especially during the time before GPS. If you had to look at that map and you were get, trying to go somewhere that you've never been before, mm -hmm. you have to have a co-pilot. Yeah. And then they had they came out with MapQuest after that. Remember that? Mm -hmm. We printed out on the computer for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then whoever whoever you you riding shotgun with, you got to have the the paper and over in the right order. Because if it was in the wrong order, then it's telling you to turn right at at, at exit forty seven when it's supposed to be telling you to turn left at exit forty nine. And then next thing you know, you're in the next town somewhere. 
first time I saw Terry with a road map, she had it upside down. And she kept saying, I don't know why we can't get there. And I said, she got the map upside no. down. She says, that's the way I read it. No. I that's, look at that's it. That's the way women. We were in a Gary Smalley marriage seminar, and you should have seen all the women that turn the map in the direction in which they're going. And they said that is very normal for women. And all the women in the room were going like that to their husbands because they had taken the same abuse that I had taken. <laughs> Maybe that's why I never learned how to read one. I didn't turn it the right way. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't follow the, I shouldn't have to, have to try on that. <laughs> right. So, so just on a practical level, right? We see how important it is to stay, stay focused, right? So, if that level of in, intentional intentionality—if that's a word—if that level of in being intentional is necessary to get from point A to point B in in the natural world, how much more so? In our spiritual life. And this is why Solomon is saying what he's saying. Now, what I want to now, I want to entertain a question before we go to our next set of scriptures here. Now, thinking about your spiritual life, what are some of the biggest distractions that we as followers of Christ, we as believers face today? Say culture, culture. I was gonna say media. Or social media, maybe internet. It's distracted from the true purpose of, you know, being in a relationship with God is hard, really, really getting down to doing that. And it's a lot of, you know, a lot of things we talk about here, you know, just um, looking like we're walking, you know, doing what God is wanting us to do, but we're really just kind of going through the motions, you know. Just religion, that's good. All right. Religion or churchianity. Churchianity. I say peer pressure also. Yeah, especially when you're young. Peer pressure is hard when you're young. No, yo. I couldn't believe how many people paid that much money to go to the Super Bowl. And just bucks. a few short years ago, people were up to here with the NFL because then they saw all this mess going on and they quit. Going to the games, and now like everything's back to normal. It only costs you, you eight thousand bucks to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, good question. But I mean, it's not just I learned it's not just um we young, but I'm just still that same this year that pressure to kind of fit in. Yeah, fit in. Okay. Yeah. So all of these things can kind of intertwine, can't they? Mm -hmm. Right. You think about, you know, I'm thinking about what, what Eric is saying. And I think about, you know, our, our churchianity. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, for some of you to be even be in here and listening to this type of teaching and just be associated with, you know, 
yeah. you know, Andrew Walmack and, and the grace message and all that type of stuff. That's, there, there's, a, there's a level of radicalness yeah. or boldness to that because it doesn't it's not necessarily mainstream when you get when you get down to actually reading and looking at the scripture and embracing the grace of God for what it is. Right. Because it doesn't necessarily go along with churchianity or church culture. Yeah, the status quo. What you normally hear, you know, like on a Sunday morning. And so and I've, I've faced that a lot of stuff that, you know, we teach here and other places with Andrew. And it's like, you know, when, again, when I listen to, uh, it's just totally, can't yeah, make it. right. Or they either, you know, they're misinterpreting or, you know, they just, like, okay, go with what you've normally heard all your years. And just, so. I, I, it's true. I can't, I, I can't do it anymore. No, 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 no. I'd rather sit out in the park somewhere and talk to God and listen to some of it. Practical example of that, right? What was the, remind me of the quote that you, you told me that Barry Bennett made that we talked um, about. Yeah, Barry Bennett said, yeah, he said, if you if you die of a, any type of a sickness, disease, something like that, he said, you died of premature death. And when he said that, I was like, I mean, I received it, but I was like, I said to myself, if I say that to somebody, oh you will that's not in this Yeah, they will be ready to fight you. Or they will be very, very upset, because especially you tell somebody whose loved one died, like, mm-hmm. what you mean they died of premature Because we've been Condition and trained to think, oh, and the only way you can die is some type of sickness. Die of something. Yeah, die of cancer, yep. some type and of sickness, a car wreck, yep. or Time something. And then we will, people will say, I hear people still saying, oh, it was just their time. Yeah, oh. it's not in the Bible. Right. And it's not their time. And you like, you know, <laughs> but how, I'm like, how did you know that? You know, because, you know, well, with that, then it kicks in the sorry doctrine. Where God wanted to stop it, He would have stopped it. So, and then He didn't want to stop it. So, therefore, it must have been time. But you didn't take in the fact that they just were speeding too fast and lost control of the car. You mean tell me <laughs> He takes no responsibility. Let me one time, you know, Bible shop I go with the guy that owned about he died. And he had like an aneurysm. And um, they said, and mind you, this guy is like, he's about 400 pounds overweight. I mean, just very obese. Good guy, but then they said, well, oh, just his time. And I didn't say anything, but my mind was saying, so him being very overweight had nothing to do with it. He blew that tire up so bad he had a blowout. That's what happened. It's 400 pounds. What I'm saying. So we, but we just, we disregard all those things and says, well, you know what? God can override all of that. You know, you're not taking care of yourself, even though you're being careless and he just, you know, get all of that. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're at a meeting one time and I kept watching the people coming in and out and there were people on walkers going out. Where's that at? Who's down at the where Joyce Meyer was? Coliseum. Coliseum. People were coming in with like buckets of Coke and buckets of popcorn. They had to have somebody hold their walker for them. They were carrying so much stuff to get back in. I thought, 
man, they can barely walk and they're still shoveling that stuff down. You know? Yeah. And see, now, listening to this, how offended will people get listening to that? Right. Right? Yeah. For real. And 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 see, you know, when when we're we're addressing what, what scripture says and, and how they're having to face the realities of life. You know, there's always a level of compassion right. that you need to have when right. you when you're dealing with people, and we're dealing with ourselves, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you know, we have to understand that there are, there are variables in place. The whole the whole idea of seed time and harvest, and what what we're doing, are the the day to day choices we're making. <laughs> The choices that people around us are making, the choices that people in our neighborhood, our community are making, the impact that all that stuff has on outcomes, on life outcomes, right? And 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 how much we are casting our care on the Lord and, and resting in His grace. All these variables are speak to the outcomes of life. But see, having, but doing that, you know, if you can't, if you don't see that, if you don't have that revelation from the scripture, when God said in Genesis that he gave man dominion on earth, there's no way in the scripture where you say he took it back. Because man is a, God is not a man, he can lie. So once he declared that, then that's just what it is. And it has never changed. Because he spoke that, so we still there's a there's an underestimation of the, the the amount of authority that man has. Yeah. Even that, a, a, that a, right there, what you just said that man has dominion. That'll set people off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the things I was taught, you know, in the beginning, said, "Well, this is the they taught it. Everything that happened to you was God fearing." And that was that was embedded in me. So so my process was okay, if something happened, once again you think, okay, well God allow it or somehow it wouldn't happen and of course, you know, he's trying to teach me something through that. Mm-hmm. But if you have ingrained in everything is not filtered, it's gotta go through him for it to happen to me. I'm like, okay. Then but then there's those time where you well, why you not that happen? What what were you trying to teach me through this? And then you don't resist. Right, you don't right? resist. There's it. no resisting the evil one. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people act like he doesn't even exist. Right. So it's, if it's God filtered, then he allowed it to happen. And so I like you say, I, I don't resist it. I just give in to it and just like, okay, then try to come up with some type of um, reasoning, reasoning, yeah, yeah, as to why he's not happen, what is he trying to do, oh, wow, uh, and so, yeah. and so, but yeah, well, I, so I embraced that and teaching for a while. The all sovereign until I begin to understand. Okay, well, look up sovereignty. It don't even mean that. Has not even close. And so that's when I begin to like. Okay, wait a minute. There's something I'm not right about. It's not adding up. Yeah, it's not adding up. Right. You know, I think another thing too we get distracted on is I heard Andrew Walmack um, say this maybe a few times, but definitely once or you know twice 
where he talked about the garden, and he goes, Adam and Eve were just put there for to commune with God, to have a relationship with him, hang out with God. He goes, they didn't have a soul to save. They didn't have a church to clean. They didn't have a lot of the things that are good that we do. Like we're saying, you know, sort of Christian church humanity, you know, a lot of stuff that we do is good things, but it's just, we lose the heart to them. And he talked to me, he goes, they literally, you know, I mean, in my words, I'm saying they hung out with God. They spent time with God. They fellowshiped with God. They had a relationship with God. And I even thought to myself, I go, I think, now I'll say this online, we're online. Nobody wants to go to hell except Jesus. Believe on him. You do not want to go to hell. That is not a good thing. But we get so caught up even on that, like, don't go to hell. We don't want to go to hell. Right. We don't want to go to hell. Then we forget that, okay, I mean, like, okay, Terry, for instance, right? Like, if you knew Mary and Jean, like, one of the benefits is you won't be, like, cold in the street or you'd have a good shelter. But if that's the only reason you marry... <laughs> That would be good, right? You know, this is a benefit. And I go, like, it's funny, I was thinking about this this week, this kind of thing with the marriage, with like with God. But I go, it's the same with God. Is um, I think this is a lot of reason why a lot of walks with God don't turn out very good because it's all based on, oh, I'm not going to hell. <laughs> That's it, you know, instead right. of God is great. Right. You and me, you know? See, and thinking about just the subtitle tonight, right? Purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Guarding your heart with purpose. And see if if my if the focus of my relationship with Jesus is only me not going to the lake of fire, yeah. right? Then I'm I'm lost yeah. in this natural life in reference to what what am I doing now? Yeah. Like what's the point? Yeah, what's the point of now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just die and go be. Yeah, right. And and you know, just going back to you know Eric's point, and, and when we talk about how we look at what the scripture is saying, what 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 doctrine is, right? How does how much that impacts purpose, the the focus, the motivation of life. Because if if I'm I'm having these unanswered questions about why someone transitioned or why X Y Z happened, you can get to a place where you get just frozen in your life, and you really just you you transition from living to existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you know you you deal with some traumatic stuff. And then the preachers say, don't nothing happen except God allow it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, and you're trying to reconcile all yeah. that stuff. Don't you want to believe in our God? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look how long the line is to believe in that God. Now, how, how, how much can that derail a person's purpose? Right. I used to be so upset, and this was a little over five years ago. <laughs> And I would go, Mom knows, and I told her, I said, I'd imagine those old, like, tracks and stuff. You'd see the angel throwing somebody into hell. And I was just so done with the idea of God that I thought he was. I said, if I just, well, Julie, you're, I, didn't, I really did not believe anymore, thank God, that I would go to hell if with the way I was just like, God, I don't want to do with you. I knew that much, but even if it had been, like, some of the super strict doctor, you know, people would have been like, oh, Julie, you're going to go to hell for the way you're thinking. I've been like, 
the angel would be trying to throw me over, like, just just say your strength, I'll jump in. I, I don't want that God, you know? And I go, it gets to the point where you can't, you know, talk somebody into that. It's like, I don't want that kind of God. Thank God he's not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw. Go ahead. I was going to say, I um, came across the scripture I was trying to think of. Uh, I guess it kind of probably supports um, what you were saying, Barry Bennett said about premature death it's uh first corinthians uh 11 30 and um it's dealing with properly discerning the new covenant and it says for this reason many among you are weak and sick and a number of you sleep that was in a sp yeah and see Kevin would have got thrown out of half the churches. <laughs> I've been to saying that. Show sure not. Like well, that, but but if you if you literally just read what it's saying, take off the you know the the glasses, the religious glasses, and just read what it's saying. That's what he's talking about. There's more than just this one, but Proverbs ten twenty seven: the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's days. Oh, so you can prolong your days? You mean yeah. there's not an appointed time for you to die? No, no, but they say your days are numbered. Now, when they say that, it's like, okay, so, and it's just kind of this thing. Okay, so if I'm supposed to die, what, December the 29th, and I ain't sick, okay, God, I got to allow something to happen to me so I can die on December 29th. Yeah, you said that. Well, all of our days are numbered. In other words, we all right. have a certain amount of right. days that we will spend on this earth. If you look at it that way, but I'm, but I'm saying that's what they make it sound like, you know, yeah. it's got to be December 29th. And so if, if December 1, I'm, I'm healthy as a horse, somehow something got to happen to me. That's good. Now, I, w- I want Terry to read that scripture again. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's days. Prolongs one's days. Mm-hmm. So you can prolong your days. So that's, that's a contradiction with... The idea that there is a specific date that's circled on the calendar. Right. That has to be your day. Mm-hmm. So again, what does that speak? Listening to, to the scripture that she just read, going back to Genesis 1, see the dominion? The type of influence that we have on that? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that is dominion. I can prolong my days, so that means I'm exercising authority to prolong my days. All right. Now... Going back to where Kevin just gave it, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go. Let's go First Corinthians eleven. I'm gonna go back to twenty six, and then go down to thirty. All right, I'm gonna read this in the. Um, you know what? Let me read this in the New Living Translation. All right. It says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup, without honoring the body of Christ. 
you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is why many of you are weak and sick and some have died. Now, you see what it says? If you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, how do we honor the body of Christ? Isn't it by accepting what he did? Right. Exactly. That's what I was putting trust and faith in what he did. But but again, the traditional teaching that I that I came up under is that you better make sure that you 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 have not done anything right with God, yeah. to violate some a commandment. You don't come you don't come to the table with no sin. Right? But the reality is the reason why I need the, the bread in the cup is because I'm I'm a mess. I done messed up. I done failed. That's the reason he came. Because I'll fall short. So me taking the bread and understanding his, he, he was broken for my infirmities. The chastisement of my peace rested upon him. Me acknowledging that every time I take the bread, and me acknowledging the reality that it is his blood that cleanses me and makes me right with God. Not, not anything that I can do. That's, those are the realities that, that have to be in my heart. That's me examining myself. and Examining myself unworthy and him worthy. And me coming to the table as a, as a partaker of his grace. That's how I come to the table. Worthily. But again, self-righteousness, law-based teaching will have will flip it right around. And how and how backwards is it for me to have pride in how well I've been living and partake of the bread in the cup? Having confidence in what I'm doing. That's truly me coming to the table unworthily. Because my righteousness is what? Filthy rags. That's what Isaiah told us. So I don't have no righteousness to bring to the table. All I have is need. So I'm bringing, a, 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 I'm bringing need. I'm bringing hunger, thirst. And he has satis satisfied that. In the bread. In the cup. I heard a guy tell a story one time. There was a man who uh, served God all his life. And he was standing at the gates of heaven. And one of the apostles were there. And, and, and uh, the apostle said, why should I let you in? And he said, I've been a missionary all my life. I took in my mother and my mother-in-law for the last years of their life. We've given our food to the poor. We've, we've led a thousand people to the Lord. And, 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 and the guy said, is that enough? And he says, nope. And he kept going on and on and on. And finally he looks and said, have mercy. He goes, you're in. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right. Right. Because all of those works, all mm -hmm. of that is just the fruit of me partaking of his grace. For it to be a good work, to be a truly good work, is just that's just a fruit of me partaking of his grace. But the genesis starts with me partaking in what he did. But again, we talk about 
guarding our hearts, right? That that goes against churchianity. Cause I never all the years I'd been in church, I ain't never heard nothing like that. Yeah. I'd have heard them horror stories about, you know, you not examining yourself and then you turn around and get hit by a car a week later. Oh, you know, stuff like that. If you wear lipstick and gold earrings and nail polish, you know what your end is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've heard sermons like that. Yeah. I heard one today like that. We went through that. Yeah. I just kicked them off. Yeah. Talking about. See, see, now what did Eric just do when he clicked that off? He protected himself. Cut off the wires. <laughs> off the wires. He was God. He's guarding his heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every week we would do communion in our church, and our pastor felt led to it. Maybe he did, you know. But we just we all perceived it wrong the way to do it. And I'd be sitting there, me personally, as a testimony. I was in youth group age. I'd be struggling with having unforgiveness toward girls who hurt me really bad. And I know they were going about doing I knew. Okay, we all took communion at the church. And I'm thinking, like, here is, I'm trying to keep my heart clean. And I know if, if we're going by that kind of standard, I knew what they were doing, you know, if nothing else but being really vicious to their sister, you know. And I'm like, it just didn't add up, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it wasn't about, it was about Jesus have mercy. Maybe if we had did that, maybe they wouldn't have been but, yeah. You're trying to make it. I'm trying to make it right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now let's let's go back to chapter. Stay in First Corinthians and go back to chapter nine. Chapter nine, First Corinthians, starting in verse twenty-four. Right, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation as well. All right. Reads like this. It says, this is the Apostle Paul talking. It's his first letter to the church of Corinth. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All the athletes, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, you hear the Apostle Paul here talking about discipline, and he's giving an analogy of an athlete, right? In 26, the word, he says, so I run with purpose in every step. Now, I want to kind of step back and look at this practically. Like, how do I apply this to my walk? Now, I want to, I want to preface this. By, by saying, okay, I, I can look at this, and if I look at it from a certain lens, it can, it, can, it can send me in a certain direction, right, to where my life is what? Very rigid, structured, very focused, 
Focus. We're talking about focus. Focus is a good thing. Now, is the Apostle Paul saying that for me to run my race in a worthy manner, there is no room for recreation? Like, how do I how do I apply this reality? Like, what does what is Paul telling me in these three verses? Well, like the athlete, he he or she pays attention to you know, I mean, they stay consistent with their workout. Um, they pay attention to what they put in their body. Um, but yet, the seal, you know, it's not like they don't. What's the word? It's not like they're so strict. They don't have fun, but they just pay attention to what they like to say, put in their body, or they're very, like I said, focused as to say, okay, I can do this, I can't do this, this and that, because they have a goal. To achieve the things they do for fun are not going to sabotage their purpose. Right. So therefore, it's not that I can't have no fun, but like he says, is this going to sabotage me getting to my goal? If it is, I can't do it. But there's a um, a healthy balance there. Okay. 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 Well, let's look at Paul. For him, preaching was fun. I don't see him taking time to do anything recreational. In between in order for Paul to make that now, he had to go some sports events. He had to be watching. Like he said, you know, he talked about I fought a good fight. You know, I, I finished my course. So he had to have some, in order to make that analogy, he had to be watching stuff like that. You know, as he used, he said, I'm not shadow boxing. Okay. He had to kind of. Now, see, and this is good now, because in order for him to use these type of reference, he had to at least have a awareness of what right. these things are. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, he didn't look at it seeing the go, mm -hmm. you know, from what I understand. You know, he didn't say, but he's just making an analogy. Okay. Yeah, these things you do and. You know, because back then they had stuff, recreational stuff, I'm pretty, you know. But you I do know. get his mindset in First Corinthians 7 when he talks about it's better to stay single because then you can be totally focused oh, yeah. on the things yeah. of God. So you get where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, if you don't have to be married, don't be married because you'll get all those cares that go along with marriage. Right. So it's better to just stay totally focused mm -hmm. on the Lord. That's not your everyday Tom, Dick, and Harry. No. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, when you think about that message in Corinthians 7, it's like, okay, well, if, if, if it's more of a distraction for you not to be married, then you need to get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Right. But if, 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 if there's a, if, if, if you're in a place where you can be at peace and be alone, then you good. But again, you know, we're talking about purpose and countering the culture. And, and you talk about these types of life decisions. 
and how culture can shape all that. My goodness. Yeah. And all this stuff, I don't care what it is, if you cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you. He'll tell you what you can do and what you can't do, and you, you, you'll sense it right away. No, nope, shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, this is okay. I mean, He'll be leading you all the time if you can cultivate that. And going back, I know we left that with Proverbs. We was talking about don't allow yourself with distraction. And see, I see, like I said, that's the stuff I see on a daily basis. And then I'm Christians that I, I'm around, we're so easily distracted by what's going on around us. To the point, it, it gets us off course. Mm-hmm. To the point we're not, like I said, we're not for we we forgot about the purpose. To to the point that you know we don't even realize what's so we we're so inundated with what's on day to day stuff and what's happening around us and so and we lose focus and we now I don't even remember what my purpose was. Well, go back to your first statement about the sovereignty doctrine. Yeah. If you don't even know who you are in Christ and why God created you and what it what it's all about you would get up every day just doing whatever you want if you've never been taught otherwise mm-hmm. that you have a god-given purpose for being here and destiny if you think it's just come see come saw say la vie you're just gonna flow go with the flow and mm-hmm. do the church things because you don't realize that you have a we each have a calling not necessarily to ministry, but you you may have a calling in business, right? So where you are, release Jesus where you are, where you work. We don't have to all be, you know, we got the seven mountains of society, of culture, and everybody's called to a different thing, not necessarily ministry. Yeah. But people think if they're not in the ministry, then they must not have that God-given calling, which is absolutely just as important as anybody else. Yeah, that's and that can be a distraction that we're talking about. Like you're saying, it's like the where we thought everybody, we love having pastors, we love having ministers, of course, like we have in the room. And But when it was taught that everybody had to be, and they had a desire from a young child, even some people, and they were taught it was wrong, and that it wasn't God, and then you come to the church, and you know, it's like, oh no, well, you need to be a minister, you need to be whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's a distraction from God really wanted you to be like I said, out in the marketplace, mm-hmm. a wife and a mother. Speaking of being yes. distracted, it's like, you know, yeah. a husband and a father, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know? I heard Andrew say to himself, he goes, God may call you as a, as a lady to be a mom to four or five moms around you, and that would be, you know, what's going to go from there. But that's that's fine. If that's what God calls you to, just don't let them take that from you. And this should be the people around you. You can't say the whole entire world. It's the influence you're around or wherever God sends you. I love it that Andrew has gotten like frustrated with people in his ministry that work there or went to college. Just examples where they would get so caught up in ministry. And maybe they did in ministry that they neglect their family. And he was like, uh-uh. Like, no. That ain't what you're supposed to be doing, you know. You take care of your family, you know. Yeah, but y'all speaking to one. Like, so we, like I believe I'm, I'm to where, I, where I work, it become a vocation. I believe I'm called, yeah. Mm-hmm. The way God strategically got me here. And I was you talking to a young lady today. She was talking about how God strategically got her there. 
but you hate the job. <laughs> you can't, you, you don't even want to get up and come, you know, you're stressed out, you're mad because you're having a bad day. But if he called you to this, if this is your purpose, mm -hmm. we're talking about purpose. Mm -hmm. My purpose is in this particular workplace. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad y'all mentioned up, not just about ministry. We don't hear people talk about call to a workplace. We are. Right. But I'm saying mm -hmm. most times, as y'all just mentioned, when we talk about being called, it's like to ministry. Right. I'm called to, you know, whether it's international, national, you know, on some type of platform or whatever. But you don't hear people talking about vocation. They, you know, we look at vocation and, and a lot of Christians I see, they're like, oh, I can't wait to get up out of this place. Mm -hmm. But again, if you under a certain type of doctrine, okay, right, yeah. then you can you can be called somewhere and can't stand it, and and believe okay, well I'm called to be here, but I can't stand being here every day, right? But again, if you if and I now I don't know the the individual you're talking about what her theological stance is, but I can see how you can you can be under a a doctrine like that and be in a position somewhere and can't and just hate it. But think it's but you know, thinking you're submitting to the will of God, but in your heart you can't stand what you're doing and where you are. Now, speaking to this whole the whole idea, right? What we were talking about. Growing up in you know, just regular church culture. You not walking in your purpose unless you're doing something inside that building. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. If you not, if you not on the usher board, you not on the gleaners. You not hospitality. You not doing something. You not cooking no pies. You not doing. If you got to be doing something in that building in order for you to be walking in your purpose. Now, honestly, let's say you got a church of 200 people. Mm -hmm. Ain't but so many people that can stand at the door. You don't have but so many doors. You don't have but so many chairs. Mm -hmm. It can't nobody, it can't but one person preach at a time. So uh, the, the 199 other people, are they outside of purpose? When we get it out to the streets. Right. Now, I want to read a couple of Old Testament scriptures. Exodus 35 and 25. I'm going to read it quick. You don't, you don't have to go there. And the New King James says, All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen. Now, they were gifted artisans. They spun yarn with their hands. So... They had a gift mm -hmm. wow. to use their hands. Exodus 32. And the message translation says, Moses summoned, um, I'm going to say Mr. B <laughs> and Mr. O, along with all whom God had gifted with the ability to work skillfully with their hands. Mm -hmm. The men were eager to get started and engage in the work. They took from Moses all the offerings that the Israelites had brought for the work of the constructing of the sanctuary, the people kept on bringing in their free will offerings morning after morning. Now look at the, look at the part it says, 
whom God had gifted with the ability to work skillfully with their hands. So the gifts of God aren't just preaching and teaching, prophesying. You could be gifted with your hands. And I think Andrew is expanding in that because he's working with Lance Wall now, who teaches on the seven mountains of society. And people like Bill Winston, he has a Joseph School of Business. Yeah. So he's, I mean, Bill Winston's been out there for a while, but it's Johnny Enlow. It's starting to, to spread around the world mm-hmm. that we have to, that's what we have not done. You can't just convert individuals. To, we, Jesus told us to convert nations. We've got to take over, and I don't mean by dominion, but by being salt and light. We've got to take over the seven mountains of culture. That's the only way nations are going all to change. Those, all those jobs in the church he was talking about, I did every one of them from deacon to area pastor to toilet cleaner to painter to whatever. That's and I didn't do it because I really I really had a love to do it. I did it because I felt like that you needed to work your way. You needed to do that stuff. Yeah, you got to earn your key. That's how I, yes. that's why I was doing it. I did hospitality, we mm-hmm. did cleaning, we did yard work, mm-hmm. we did painting, mm-hmm. we helped with all of it. And, and see, and, and just, you know, speaking to like the, the overall mission of the body, the church as the body of Christ, how discouraging is it? You got somebody doing a doing a work, they, they working in the nursery. They burnt out. They really can't stand kids. But they there because they feel like they have to do something. Mm-hmm. To you know, to please God. So, and this is the only thing that was oh, open. We Fourteen years, right? A lot of but there, there's no real like fervor for the kids. No real love for you know the kids That's or the work. It's just you, you just doing it, right? right? You take care of somebody else's kids. And see, and the thing about that is that that the the negative effect it has on like people that's coming in. Yeah. Like on that from the outside, they get invited to church, and then you they come across this person with a nasty attitude. And it's the trickle down effect, all that type of stuff, being out of position, not really doing what you really are called to do, what you what you have a passion for. Right? Do you think though that I'm gonna play the other side? There are times when, when God, for training purposes, puts us in certain places that we may not thoroughly enjoy, but there's lessons to be gleaned, things to be learned, character can be developed. And in those places, that's when you do all things as unto the Lord, not unto man. So that's what I would say to that woman. That with whom well, you my are. thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm going to call me to things that I was like, uh-uh. This. But it grew on me. Because, you know, going into it, I was like, ain't no way in the world. I don't want to be in this. But you grow into embracing because you, it was me getting my mind, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be at. Yeah, if he sent you there, right. then get in, submit to right. him. Right. But what I'm simply saying, there are people, <laughs> I've heard people say, okay, yeah, this is a blessing, but it's a prison at the same time. How can it be both things at the same time? And I'm saying... Right. Either you are out of right. place or you're not embracing what he called you to. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion, unless somebody has another perspective on that. But I'm just saying, how can I 
have influence around me. Because if I'm called to it, I, he called me not just to, um, and I'm, if I'm talking about vocation, he's not called me as to make money, mm-hmm. but he called me to be a light, to have influence mm-hmm. on the people that I'm interacting with. And so if I'm not doing that, then I'm not fulfilling the purpose that he's calling me to. So I should have influence on the people that's in my circle. And I'm like, why are we not having any influence? Because with that type of attitude, you cannot have influence. We just get in or uh, go with what the world is speaking. Everybody's speaking negative, can't stand it, mm-hmm. don't want to get up kind of work. Yeah, me too. Wouldn't it be back to the same thing? You're you're not giving a you're not setting a very good thing when you're complaining all the time. Right. You hate what you're doing. And we, we had a, a situation with the uh, nursery, very small, but it was um, there's only so many. You got all these moms; they need to volunteer too, because eventually they're out there just having a good time, and not one of the moms are volunteering to help take care of. Well, their own children. That was my situation. And that was bad. That was really and it gets to where you begin to resent it. Like I said, you resent being in there and go, uh, well, you should be, yeah. you know, you should be doing that. I got to the point where Why? I had to resign. And the, I had to... the moms are out there and the dads are having a good time. I, I, I you got to, to take care of your and children. And that was my own personal reason. I let the coordinator and I said, I'm talking about education. That should have been a structure too, actually, so it would have helped. Well, I loved, I actually did love doing it. I loved the children, but it didn't give a very good it's kind of like definitely yeah, trail, but a very good thing on my attitude because I'm they looking up there and going, y'all are all sitting there, have your arms around each other, and I'm sitting there, the young twenty-something-year-old me who had not had children yet and wanted children. And I'm like, eh, now nah, I'm being used, but that's another story. Anyway. God put me in the car business, and I was I was like as rough as you could be, and he I'm a, I had a desk here. And when someone came in that door, I was the first desk. And every everybody that had an axe to grind came to my desk first. And I used to call her on the phone like once every two or three months. I'd be I'd be offering customers out in the parking lot because I couldn't take it. They'd come in and they start cussing and carrying on. And but as time went by, they were chipping off those edges, and the Lord was teaching me how to right. You know, but but, and, but when I first I, went in there, it was but really you rough. was called to you had to oh yeah the Lord had me in there to get transform because I couldn't have done anything with the attitude I had because. If you did something, you know, that I thought was true. offensive. I wanted to fight. I didn't want to talk about it. And uh, after a couple of years, I did. I did pretty good. I used to call her all the time on the phone and say, "Think I'm gonna be fired safe?" And then she said, "Why?" I said, "I just offered this guy outside again, you know." And mm-hmm. but it worked out. And after a while, that didn't happen uh, as often. Well, but, I can understand for non-believers, but for a believer, if you've ever read that, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Right. What does that mean? Exactly. In season, out of season. Right. Right? And especially if God leads us to a place, then we humble ourselves, we yeah, submit sure. to it, yes. learn what we can, be sought while we're there, and he'll promote us and take right. us to the next step. My, my testimony is this. When I, where I work at now, I went there, I believe God sent me there, and, but when I first got there, there was so much favoritism and stuff going on. You just saw, as they call them, clicks and stuff, and and you know what? I was just, I was frustrated. I just wanted to just say, I got to get up out of here. And you know, of course, I go to God in prayer. And like I said, I'm complaining and telling him what's going on. This and that, and this and that, all the favoritism. And you know, I just felt that God spoke to me. He says, okay. He says, they're not your source. 
I'm your source. And he just said, tell you, so you need to close your mouth. Mm -hmm. This is what I called you to. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And right after I began to just stop doing all that, that's what I made full time. And so my point is, if you, if I knew that he called me to that, but right. he let me set me straight and say, okay, hey, mm -hmm. no, I'm your source. Mm -hmm. I'm the one. Prosperity is going to come through me as you surrender to me. Mm -hmm. So he said, exactly. stop complaining. Mm -hmm. I know what's going on around you, mm -hmm. but in, in the midst of all this mess, mm -hmm. I'm going to still bless you. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, when well, you take that attitude, and then from that point on, and I'm not saying I don't ever complain about what's going on, because always things, but within reason, I'm like, okay, don't like this, but you know what? I'm going to show up. Like you said, I'm not going to stop all this confirming, maiming. I'm going to be salt and light, because mm -hmm. that's what you called me to be. Cause this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and so and so that's what we're talking about purpose. So I never forget what my purpose is. Right. So you you see how having that that mindset, how that keeps you on track. Right. And Julie, that's how. Have something a little different because we we clean, so there's not people watching us. Mm -hmm. We don't have most of we have everybody, even if the lady in the other house is around. So we definitely. Have to use the idea of doing everything unto the world because we get halfway through stuff and we're gonna do it enough, they wouldn't even know. But I, I told her, I told us that everything we're doing, there's times I go, I can't do this. I'm so tired. That's different. When you're tired or something like right. that, I'm I have I haven't had to advertise for years, and it was always my word amount because the integrity is there. It's like, well, I clean, I clean well, I try to clean well. Doing it as a woman tired sometimes it's like there's something going on because we had a, we did have a struggle with one of them. There was something coming at me real hard. It was me, not her, me personally, over and over and over. And I know I had to ride it out. I go, if I don't ride this out, it's this is not gonna be good. It's something happened. And here it is, just just her and I doing the cleaning. And everything has turned around, but I said, I'm gonna do it to you, God. Because I like doing this. Yeah. And it did, and it, I wrote it out, and now it is it's like a Polar difference, polar, you know, north to south. It is so different, so much better. And just riding it out. It took a lot because I was getting really upset and really frustrated. But I kept saying, I'm not doing this. Lord, you can take care of this. Show me what to do. And she's ready to fight. <laughs> she's ready to be upset because she knows I'm upset. I go, I'm going to ride this. Let me see if I can ride this. If you can help me or us, yeah. you got to show me what to do. Just one little incident turned it all around in my favor, mm -hmm. in a good way, not that, you know, mm -hmm. especially just because of my love to, and to hang in there to go, okay, God, I can do this. Let's go to class. Yeah, okay. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I do, um, I was listening to all the comments and I agree with everybody. I do believe that God can call, God will call you. Um, to do something to grow, to help you grow. And because sometimes I know when I first got into ministry, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And some, and I know I was called to, you know, do different things. And it helped me grow and grow into really what I knew what I was called to do. Um, but I also know if it got certain things if it got to a point of doing it begrudgingly and just to 
you know, like Corinthians talked about, just to get the prize, you know, get to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then that became a problem. But um, yeah, sometimes I, I I do believe that He can guide you to into um, an area that it may not initially be your gift, but it trains you into being obedient, and it, it trains you into trains your heart to just want to honor him and what, because it may not be about you. It's about somebody else. And there's some gifts within you that you don't even know you have. And he sets you up in the position where you surprise yourself. You know, you behave a certain way, um, could carve, um, you know, even some, some behaviors that are not so good because you have, he's, training you to lose, use restraints and to um, sometimes just to obey. So um, that's all I got. You know, it can't be about the prize. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. And, and really that's, it, it speaks to also how, how good God is in the midst of our own choices and the choices of others. And just go using the church example for, again, Let's say you got somebody, you know, a young believer that's really hungry for the Lord, and they got a lot of gifts that, you know, are visible. But the person, like the, the people in leadership can, can look at that person. Maybe they, there's some, some jealousy or some envy there. So they purposely take this person through the ringer mm-hmm. and give them the, the, the least, the dirtiest, the most, the most undesired jobs on purpose, not to help them develop, but kind of to keep them in check. Now, if that person continues to submit to that, but does it unto the Lord, and they, that's their mindset, regardless of the intentions of others around them, that person is going to be elevated one way or the other. And I lost. We went to a place and uh, uh, there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on, and uh, they made this youth pastor, which sounds like a big deal, but the youth pastor building was on the other side of the park. You were not in the church anymore, and they just wanted to get rid of us, get us out of the church, get us with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of, see, and that's that. Now, I don't even want to get into all that, but I'm saying that stuff happens, you know. Yeah, that's happened to me too. Well, unfortunately, look how many people who are in the I would say probably mostly the pastors, but there are there are people who call themselves fivefold that God never called them to fivefold, they, they weren't sent, they just went, right? You know, like mama said, No, I want my son to be a pastor. Those kinds of things. So they're they're in illegal positions to begin with, and that's going to mess up everything underneath. Yeah, and that just goes back to the whole church culture thing, because you know you if you believe that's the that's the only way that they this person can truly honor the Lord is is to be a a preacher, then you're going to try to force this person into a calling that ain't theirs, and that's dangerous. Potentially can hurt a lot of people. There was a, a book by uh, John Bevere called Thus Saith the Lord, and he dealt with like where people have been prophesied over, you know, quote unquote. And I know that it was one of the examples, I believe it was, 
the guy was told when he was younger that he was going to be a pilot. And he never had interest in flying, nothing, whatever. He took all these lessons and whatever, whatever. And he got really frustrated with it. But he kept doing it because he thought it was what God said. He was trying to yeah. try to support God. In his last test flight, I think it was, before he became like got his license, he had like he got really upset. He was, you know, in the cotton cockpit, whatever he was going. He goes, God, I hate flying. I don't want to do it. God's like, I don't want you to do it either. And he's setting free. <laughs> it was like you had to go to know earlier, but I go. Sometimes we just really just this sort of comes out just ask God. Really just get, you know, you know, a relationship with God, ask him what he wants you to do. Who was it? Andrew said he was trying to pray an hour every day or something. Mm-hmm. And he talked to the Lord one time and oh. said, This is I'm having a hard time. This is terrible. And God said, It's harder for me than it is for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! He said, "I think he said he hate oh praying during that time." God said, "I hate it too." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "I've been dreading." He's like, "I've been dreading this for twenty minutes." Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "I've been dreading it for thirty minutes." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. All right, Colossians. Let's go to Colossians three. <laughs> Colossians 3, looking at verses 23 and 24. All right, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic. It says, Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men, that you will receive the influence, that I'm sorry, you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. The one whom you are actually serving is the Lord Christ, the Messiah. Now, see how how big of an attitude shift, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself now. Looking at this, how how we can get caught up in just the natural realities of our vocation, mm-hmm. right? And but forget this. Because you know, if this is on this is your mindset, then your whole attitude is gonna be adjusted, it's gonna switch. But again, we talk about distractions again. Getting caught up on what men are doing, what people are doing. All these things can get us derailed and sidetracked but remembering like right here what whatever i'm doing if i'm in a position if i'm in that nursery if i'm at you know costco i'm at walmart i'm at yeah you know yada yada place wherever i am if i believe okay you know what i'm gonna do what my task is unto the lord if that's my attitude People are going to be able to see that. They're going to feel that. Mm-hmm. Like their customer service, that, that interaction. Even if you're not feeling 100% in your flesh that day, there's still going to be a certain energy that you bring in that's different. But again, you know, focusing. You were talking about distractions. What you just now said, that reminds me that when we get distracted in the workplace is that we really begin to see all those people as the ones that we're wrestling with. And we forget that we're not wrestling with people. It's a spiritual, right? It's Ephesians mm-hmm. 5, or I mean 6. 
And we get distracted into thinking, those are our enemies. Those are the people that are holding us back. I hate to go to work because of that person. And we're missing the whole point that it's the enemy working through those people. Right. I like what you said about even if you're not feeling, because everybody's not feeling the best every day, but you still bring a certain energy that people say, okay, they still, you know, they're not feeling good. Sometimes people look at it like, yeah, you turn. I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. But the energy is still okay. I still have a job to do, good customer service, welcome people, do my job, you know, with the best of my ability. So it doesn't change, you know, like, okay, I don't, I'm tired, so I'm going to be grumpy. <laughs> no, you still have to have the same energy because, like you said, doing that task to the Lord. It's, it's what we need to be doing. So it's like, okay, you know, regardless, I'm not feeling my best today, but you know what? Don't nobody need to know that. Mm-hmm, that's right. You know, yeah. by my behavior. It's even though you might feeling well or having a bad day. I think another way we can really be salt is just to be thankful, to live in a constant state of thankfulness. Mm-hmm. And people will be drawn to you. Yeah, you know, because it's the opposite of complaining. So everybody around you is complaining, and you just keep coming. And I don't mean fakey little trite right. sayings. Mm-hmm. You can always find every day. Like I told y'all, I get up every morning, and the first thing I get in my chair, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We beseech the Lord, send now prosperity. And I send it to different people and <laughs> say, Thank you for waking us up this morning. <laughs> You might still be in bed, but I know you're awake. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank you, Lord. And I just try to go through, praying for people. Thank you for this person. Like, it just changes mm-hmm. your whole day. Mm-hmm. And you go to work with that glow, and, right. the, mm-hmm. and it's contagious. People will want to be around you because they're drawn to that positive. And, you know, the world that we live in, there's nothing positive right. by and large. But we can have that effect on people and even maybe help them see they mm-hmm. have a lot in life to be thankful. You have a job. Praise God, you have a job to come to. Exactly. Right? So she embraces us. She'd be preaching my sermon. I'd be preaching that work. Because I'd be saying that same stuff. Like, yeah, I was like, come on. So, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. sometimes it's hard to be people that morale up. So, but that's. I try to do my best to keep that type of focus, man. It's like, cause, like you said, it's just. I mean, to me, it's I'm not gonna. I, I they used to say, okay, I'm not gonna give something that much power over me, especially in my thinking. It's like, nah, I can't. You know, I'm gonna choose not to put that type of negative energy mm-hmm. into my day, because mm-hmm. all it's gonna do is drain you. Mm-hmm. It's gonna drain you. It's not gonna put you in a good mindset. So it's like. As you're steady, God will, God will move in you. Right. Like when I first got saved, I came out of the drug culture. So like for me, I'd tell somebody and they'd say, you don't effing believe that effing stuff, do you? You effing idiot. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just how guys were that were in mm-hmm. drug culture. And and I didn't fight with him right away. And then about three or four months later, you're in front of the same guy and he cusses and he'll say, oh, Gene, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were here. And you didn't say it, didn't do anything. He just he started to recognize that you're different now. There's something on you that's different. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'm, I was just imagining Terry's, you know, <laughs> charge every morning, right? Just imagine, you know, you commanding your day like that every day. Now, I, I don't know, you know, how Gene is when he wakes up. But I mean, I know it may be at a time where he's not 
necessarily trying to hear that every day. But you, you when you're hearing that positive message, that gratitude every day, it's gonna it's gonna do something to you. Mm-hmm. Now just imagine bringing that to work, right? So again, you're gonna get on some folk nerves. Yeah. Oh, they go, they go preach, they go preacher Eric. They always talking about being thankful for something, man. He ain't real. I'm just trying to keep it 100, right? But over time, you know, people realize that, you know, that's a genuine gratitude. It's not me just trying to act like I'm just such a much, like I'm all that, but just genuine gratitude. It changes the atmosphere. And she has a great attitude. When I first met her, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was, we, we get in a little bit of an argument and she said, golly day. And I said, golly day. That's all you got is golly day. <laughs> I said, come on, girl. And, and, and she is. She's, she's genuinely happy on this all the time. Yeah. I mean, because you can't get but so mad after golly day. Yeah, what? You're right. And like, you right. And you take to New Jersey and want me to meet his former drug addict friends. And they talk like that, you know, and I didn't grow up in that world. Come here. I want you to go meet so and so. I said, God, do we have to? Their talking doesn't contaminate you. Do it's we my talking. But I didn't understand those kind. You know, it's like being in a foreign country. And if you can love people that are doing that. If you can love those people when they're doing that. Nobody else does, and they'll recognize it. They'll recognize yeah. something. Different. It's a little culture shock. Yeah. 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 And all those people you met, every one of them, they're all dead. They're all dead. I know. Every one of them is dead now. But just doing that in the morning has changed my day. Because I'm now looking mm-hmm. for the goodness of God and expecting it all day long. Mm-hmm. It just, it changes everything. Now, see, she used that word expectancy. Mm-hmm. How, how important is that? Because if I'm not expecting anything, how can I receive? It's just like, you know, of course, you know, being, being a sports person, I'm getting sports analogies every time we're talking about this type of stuff. But if you are a receiver, right? And you know that the, this route, this this route, this ball is coming to you. There's going to be a different level of energy you're going to have when you come off the line. You can have, you can tell when some guys like, OK, they'll come off the line, but the energy ain't the same. They know they're not getting the ball. Right. So it's a it's a tale to the defense. Because they don't they, they're not firing off that ball the same way. As they would if they know they get the ball, because for some players are like that. So just like in football, so it is with us. If if there's no expectancy for, the, for me to receive that this is going to be a good day, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will see His goodness, the goodness of the Lord here in the land of the living. If that's if that's on my mind. Then again, my energy is going to be different. My hands are going to be open. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to receive. I'm in a whole different posture than if I, if you know, if I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm gonna make it today. This, this, this is rough out here. Yesterday sucked. The day before that was worse than that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and it's like because that that stuff will cripple mm-hmm. you now. You know, they, those may be genuine emotions. Like, right. they, you know, that's how you truly feel. And you don't deny that the, the 
some bad garbage out there. But if if I if I allow that to control my will, then I'm just going to sink down in that hole even further. That's that that's the trap. I saw that in teaching. I had to get up at four thirty in the morning to have my quiet time because of the getting all the kids ready for school and everything, and I had to be there ten minutes to seven. <laughs> if I didn't have that quiet time, because he was saying, "Why do you get up so early?" I said, "You don't want to be around me if I don't have that quiet time." That is your coffee. That starts my day. Yeah, let people get. That sets yeah, my day. That's, my, that's why I get up later. I've never seen her like that. Fuss, and, fussy. And my students would say to me, "Frau, we don't ever know when you're mad because while you're disciplined, us, you're smiling." <laughs> <laughs> And that was the truth. I mean, I'm always laughing, just loving on. I'm trying to get them to go and you know do the right thing. But I started thinking about that, and I thought that's just God. It's just totally the Lord because it just is. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, you got 110 kids at a time. It's funny, we'll, they can get on your nerves. We'll go somewhere, meet one of her students, and we'll walk away. And I'll say, "Who was that old lady?" She said, "One of my high school my students I was in high school." And, and, and I've got students that are now 50 some years old. I mean, old. they're old, you know, and I can't think of her to having kids. They're grandparents. That's not her grandparents. Now. Wow. Wow. I see that's some fruit right there. I get asked a lot when I'm waiting on people, like, why are you, why are you smelling mm -hmm. so much? Not like in a mean way, but you know, like, why? Mm -hmm. I'll, talk about, you know, I'll, I'll feel it out, you know what I'm saying? Not that I'm ashamed of God. I'm God knows I'm ashamed of him. But you know, just how to, you know, go about the right way. But. Yeah, it's God, you know. And the stuff he puts, we were at a, a place buying apples one time, and I went out to put the bushel of apples in the trunk of the car. Well, I opened the trunk and I saw it wasn't my trunk. And I have an electronic key. So I closed it and I found my car and I put them in there and I walked in and I said, who's got the, the champagne car Honda out there? Lady raised her hand and I said, I almost put my apples in your car. We, we got talking, right? Well, who was it? You taught her? Her, her and her sister. She taught her and her sister. And this was in this was in the mountains, mm -hmm. and they had driven up. They passed us on it was the like interstate. Three hours wow. from here. Yeah, and wow. then we're just talking about yeah. I tell one you help. I took her sister to Germany with me. When we left, I told that lady. I said, "You'll see me again." She goes, "When?" I said, "When I steal your car." Because <laughs> I had to see. <laughs> that's so. Funny. That's cool. <laughs> All right. I want us to go to two two more places. Hebrews twelve, and then we're gonna go to Ecclesiastes after that. Hebrews twelve. Let's start at verse one. Yeah, not read this in the passing translation. It reads, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and de determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. 
We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweat and blood in your opposition to sin. All right, now let's go to Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic. And it reads like this. All has been heard. The end of the matter is. Fear God. Revere and worship him. Knowing that he is. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man. The full. Original purpose of his creation. The object of God's providence. The root of character. The foundation of all happiness. The, adjust, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun and the whole duty for every man. Now you see there's a lot in that. So I'm going to read it again, but just think, think purpose and how purpose guards our hearts. All has been heard the end of the matter is fear God, revere and worship him, knowing that he is. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man, the full, original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty for every man. So if my purpose is to worship, revere, and enjoy, just enjoy my Lord, then that's going to set a lot of things straight in my day-to-day -day life, if that's my focus. <clears throat> All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 See y'all next week.